All good? Yes. Good job, communion lady. That's a great communion talk. Well done. That's great. I always find usually when I go to church and people do communion, I'm like, are we at a funeral? What's going on? You know, everyone's just so like, good talk. Yeah, that was great. That's right. Don't we? Okay. So, um, yes. So this is the last part of um, six-part series in Malachi. Um, It's my job to wrap it up, which I'm going to endeavor to do in 20 minutes. Really going to try and do 20 um, That's my heart, is to do it. So, um, yeah, I've got the exciting title. Have we got a slide for it or, or not? Of No slide. No slide. I'm getting a no. Okay, so the title slide is for today, if you can envisage it, is Fear the Lord. It's a cheerful title for a message today. I hope you're excited. So I was, um, I've been uh, kind of wrestling with the whole fear thing because it's like, it's quite a different thing to fear God as someone who doesn't know God, fear God, someone who, under, someone who is living under the old covenant, and to fear God as someone living under the new covenant. So it's been quite a wrestle for me. I've enjoyed it. I like the wrestle. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm thinking, is there... Is there is there anything as a new covenant believer? Is there a place for fear? And I kind of came to the conclusion. Oh, I'll tell you what. It's a story popped in my head. And if those of you who don't know me, I like a good story. So you can just sit back and relax. But actually, before we do, could you just, let's get, let's get spiritual. Could you just lay hands on the person next to you? Is that right? Can you just, can you look at them intently in the eyes and say, You do not have to sit there this morning looking like a bulldog chewing a wasp. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. It helps me. It helps me more than you probably, but I I appreciate that. There's a few people who needed that prayer and a few who didn't. But um, so anyway, on to the fear thing. So, so I was in South Africa. Oh, we've got some South Africans in. Laka. All right. So anyway, I was in South Africa, and Kerry and I, we had been visiting. We we were pastoring a church, and we'd been visiting uh, some congregation members, and we'd had to go in two cars. I was in a meeting. Kerry was running around with the kids, so we went in two cars, and we ended up at these people's house. We had a lovely evening. And then we were driving home, and it was quite late, and it was a kind of, we weren't quite sure of the area, and we're in a kind of dark country lane in, in Africa, and um, I'm driving behind Kerry, she's got two of the kids in the front car, she's with Emma and my newborn baby at the time, I think Aaron, was Aaron born then? I think he was, wasn't he? Yeah. And I've got Daniel in the back, and um, in the car behind, and then I see this car, 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 car pull out in front of Kerry, because the streets are dark, and we Kerry didn't realize there was a stop street, so you've got to kind of give way, you've got to stop. Now, I'm not doing the female driver joke because that's not politically correct. So what happened was she didn't stop, and she carried on. And the guy swerved in front of her and started screaming, I mean, abuse, like terrible abuse, at my wife and two children in the car. And I'm in the car behind, and he's um, got his windows down, and he's like, you, blah, 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 blah. 
And um, I could see my wife is just frozen, saying, oh, look, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He goes, nah, it's not good enough. You, blah, 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 blah. So I thought the best thing to do was to get his attention on me so she could drive off. So I said, hey, fatty. <laughs> I mean, he was a bit bigger than me. He goes, ah. I said, hey, what are you showing a woman for? Come here. He goes, I'll come and I'll, I will do you in. And then he carried on speaking out. And so and I did something like, I was like, so he's like, what? So he drives around where he accelerates probably from the sound desk to here at 60 miles an hour or something. At that point, my wife managed to escape. And he pulls up alongside me. And he says, ah, what are you? well, I can't repeat what he said. But it wasn't nice. And so I'm just trying to be like, you know, what are you doing, Shannon, ladies? Kind of what I said. And, uh, and he's like, ah, you, blah, blah, blah. And then he took his cigarette and he flicked it, flicked it, yeah, flicked it in my new car, <laughs> right? And so now I'm like, whoa, and I'm trying to find the cigarette burning because now it's burning. It's on the side of my legs. So I, I get the cigarette, and I've, I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm, I have to admit, I was a little bit, I was a little bit irritated at this point. <laughs> and I, I threw the cigarette out of the car. He goes, come on, get out. I'm like, right, I'm getting out. So I got out, right? And I'm walking up to him. He goes, so you think you're a tough guy? I'm like, oh, man, I'm telling you I'm tough, right? <laughs> and at that point, he pulls a gun out, right? He says, let's see how tough you are now, big boy. And I was like, now, in my head, I've heard loads of testimonies in my congregation at the time. We had an inspector in the police there. And when the people have been rubbed at gunpoint, they've said, in the name of Jesus, I command they've put the gun down. But I was terrified. I was like, I was like that, whoa, dude. And he's like, huh, huh? And he starts shooting, right? So now I'm running. Now in my head, I'm thinking, you've got a zigzag of someone shooting at you. But I'm like... <laughs> Stuff like that. So I'm trying to get in my car. You know, like the movie, you're trying to get the thing. And now it dawns on me. I've got my little boy in the back of the seat. He thinks this is flipping great, right? And I go in the car, and he's shooting. He's like, right? That's what it sounded a bit louder than that. And I got and managed to get in the car, and I drove off, right? I was fearful, right? Got in the car, right? just checking I'm not bleeding. Then I thought, oh, my son in the back of the seat, so I'm checking at him. He's giggling. No, all good. Got home, checked the car for bullet holes. Now, I don't know if he's shooting at me or he's shooting at the ground or he's trying to scare me or there's an angel in front of me. I don't know. I reckon I'm going with the angel because it sounds good, right? So I think there is, there is, a, there is a, a place for healthy fear if it kind of rescues you from a situation when harm's coming to you or coming to someone that you love. And... There's, there's a, if there's a fear which would rescue you from that, I think that's probably a good thing. But on the other fear kind of thing, I'm, I wrestled a bit. So I'm going to try for the next 20 minutes, however many minutes left, to talk about fear the Lord in both the New and the Old Testament. Before I do, let me just quickly recap so you guys know kind of where we're up to speech. Obviously, you can check it all out on YouTube. So... Let me read this to you. So, first week, Ant, um, what did Ant do? He, did, he was actually super vulnerable, wasn't he? He did a, did a book of, um, he talked about unconditional love, and he was quite vulnerable. Then I, I was up the second week, and we talked about surrender. I don't know if you remember how, you know, surrender in this world is like a loss, but when we surrender in the kingdom, it leads us to great victory. And um, 
there, and we was about laying down. Do you remember that Ryan Hart Bonky video we played? Anyone? And then John did, um, John talked about the faithless people and about people just divorcing and getting with the wrong people and doing all the things God told them not to do. And then my brother Johnny, where's Johnny? I saw him a minute ago. No, not that Johnny, other Johnny. That Johnny. I want to say Indian Johnny, but I don't know if that's politically, is that all right? I assume. So Indian Johnny, he nailed it with, um, he said it's all right. Uh, He nailed justice. And then we had, uh, then we had worship Johnny. There you are. That was all right. He's Indian, mate. He's Indian. And then, and then what happened then? And then it's me today. Hooray! All right. Thank you very much. So, uh, so far, where we're at, right, <laughs> I threw myself with the Indian, Johnny. So, where we're at is now, we've gone through Malachi, right? And I think the bottom line that we've each pretty much one of us has said every week, week on week, is that the people of God, here they are again, they're disillusioned, things haven't quite gone their way, they're looking at everyone around them who seems to be doing great, they're not doing great. Um, or they don't perceive themselves as doing great. So they're grumbling, they've hardened their hearts as usual, they're kind of ignoring what God's had to say, they're um, they're restless, they're unsatisfied. I think there's six different times where God's addressed what they're doing, and every time they're like, how have we done it? How? How? What do you mean? We've been been unfaithful, and we've been rebellious, and they're like, how? How have we done it? And leaving off where Johnny finished the scripture, that Johnny, where he finished the scripture last week, I'm going to carry on from. So that, we're in Malachi 3. I was going to read out my Bible, but last time with my eyes, I'm still trusting God in faith. I couldn't read this, so I've blown it up. Font 16 does it. So Malachi 3:13 to 17, I'm going to read it you from the Amplified. And it says, Your words have been harsh against me, is what Malachi is saying, says the Lord. But you say, here we go again, what have we spoken against you? And God says, you have said, is useless to serve God. What profit is it to keep his ordinances and walk around like mourners before the Lord of hosts? So here again, God's people are like, God's addressing them, and they're saying as usual, have we done it? Just like my children, you know, we've all had kids and we've caught them naughty, and you've said to them, hey, what's going on? Last time we were in South Africa, this is a little story, we were there, and we, I bought my two boys um, some um, kind of airsoft type of handgun things. My wife always says, why do you persist in buying children these stupid toys? I'm like, boys need guns. Maybe not. And uh, so we left them to play, and we're downstairs with the family we're staying in in South Africa, and we hear this all banging and shooting, and we walk upstairs. I've told them specific. Actually, we took the guns off them. I actually don't know how they got the guns. And they're upstairs, and this family we're staying with, lovely Christian family, they've turned every bit of furniture upside down to make barricades, and Aaron, Aaron's there with, a, with, as I open the door, both guns behind their shoulder, and he's got an ever-growing swelling, because Daniel got frustrated, he'd been hit, so point-blank shot Aaron in the head, <laughs> and they're both like, what have we done, what have we done, <laughs> Aaron's head's like growing like a new unicorn anyway, so here's God's people, again, So now we call the arrogant happy and blessed. Evildoers are exalted and prosper. And when they test God, they escape and punish. This is what God's people are saying. They escape and punish. So these guys are happy and blessed. The worldly people around us, the non-believers, the non-godly community, are happy and blessed. They escape unpunished. 
Then those who feared God, then those who feared God, and I like the amplified the way it blows it up, says with awe-filled reverence, the people who had awe-filled reverence for God spoke to one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard it. Isn't that cool how God's listening? Or maybe it's not cool. He's listening to his people's conversation between each other. You ever thought of that when you're speaking to someone? That God's listening to your conversation? Is that good? Should be good. Depends on your conversation, doesn't it? Watching our internet history, watches everything. And the Lord paid attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before those who fear the Lord, the people with an attitude of reverence and respect, and who esteemed his name. So, I mean, it, in the Old Testament, it was, it was I can, you can understand why, well, they didn't all, obviously, because they're saying, well, what have we done wrong? But, you know, under the law, there was, there was consequences. I mean, you could be stoned to death. I mean, the lady that Jesus, you know, they caught her in adultery, they're about to kill her. So it was a good thing to be fearful, I think, to an extent. But it didn't just mean fearful. It also meant an an awe-filled respect. I just kind of struck me when I was kind of meditating, because that's the two portions of Scripture. That was the first portion of Scripture. What God's people, after they've seen all those crazy, amazing things, you know, the Red Sea and all the things of the Old Testament. Here we're in the last book. Last book. This is the kind of the last words of the Old Testament. And there's a 400-year gap. These people are still like, well, look, it's not going great for us. It's going great for everyone else. And I just thought, it's, it's just, it's, it's similar. We can talk like that, right? That, you know, how's, how's these guys who don't even know God? I've got friends who don't know God. They're multi-millionaires and all sorts of people. How is it going so well for them? And then I was just listening. <laughs> I don't know if this fits in, but I was listening to it, and I thought I'd share it anyway. I was listening to a Joe Rogan uh, podcast, and um, this, oh, he was interviewing this Special Forces dude, and um, he came on and he said to Joe, he goes, oh, have you heard the story? Have you heard the parable of the Chinese farmer, right? And, I'm, and uh, Joe Rogan's like, no. He goes, oh, let me tell you, it's a short parable. But I just thought, how, how similar is this to the stories we've heard in Malachi? So do you want to hear the parable? Thank you. I was going to say it anyway. So here's the farmer. So there's a farmer in China, hence the parable of the Chinese farmer. And um, his horse got out of its paddock. And the horse is gone, right? And the neighboring farmers and uh, neighbors came round, and they said to the, to the farmer, man, this is, uh, this is bad news. You've lost your horse, right? And the Chinese farmer said to them, maybe. Maybe. And they're like, oh, okay. But the next day, or the next few days, the horse returned back to the paddock off its own steam, and had like five wild horses with him. Right? And they came in the paddock, and they closed up the paddock. And the neighbors are like, this is amazing. So they go around to the farmer, and they say, hey, farmer, say, isn't this amazing? You lost a horse, and now you've got your horse back, and there's five more. Isn't that great? He said, maybe. I don't know. He went home. And a few days later, the farmer's son is trying to tame one of these horses, right? So he's riding it around in the, in the fields, and he falls off and breaks his leg. And... Um, 
the, the uh, villagers come around and go, oh man, farmer, this is bad news. We're so sorry to hear your son snapped his leg. You know, this is bad, right? He goes, ah, maybe. And the next day, the military turn up at the farmer's plot, the farm, and they're the guys who are conscripting the young guys into the Chinese army to come and fight. But they, look, they had to look over him, right? They left because, obviously, they can't take him in and insist on him being conscripted because he's broke his leg. So the people are like to the farmer, this is great. And he says, maybe. Maybe. And then I was listening to that, and then I remembered... Romans 8, 28. Now, let me just read it to you. And I just thought, it's just, it, as God's people, so I know I'm doing the whole fear God thing, but I just thought in, in closing of this, because I think it's been pretty cool, this Malachi series, in closing it, I think one of the things I might kind of take away from it is this, right? As God's people, which we are, Romans 8, 28, I know you all know it, it's got to be one of the most quoted scriptures And it says this, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply, how cool is this, who is deeply concerned about us, not just, yeah, 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 deeply concerned, right, causes all things, all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, right? Remember the Chinese farmer. To those who are called according to his plan, and purpose. He causes all things to work together for good. So the whole thing with the parable of the Chinese farmer, right, was they said, which I don't agree with, that's that's the whole thing with nature. The parable is trying to say that, you know, some things go bad and some things go good, and we don't know if the good leads to bad or the bad leads to good or whatever it goes, it goes. So the Chinese farmer's like, maybe to everything, because he's like, is it good? I don't know. Is it bad? I don't know. Is the good leading to bad? The bad leading to good? No. But we, as God's people, that promise, when we look, because it's easy to look around at everything going wrong and all the, you know, like we can and blah, 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 and the news on and all the rest of it. But there's a promise for us as God's people and this is, this is what he kept calling his people to. This is what Malachi was doing. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. We're not supposed to be led by our emotions. We're led by the Spirit of God, right? So it doesn't matter what's, what appears to be bad. It doesn't matter even if things are bad and if you perceive things as bad. God says, I'll turn them to good. All as he wants us to do, seriously, however bad it is, however bad it is, it goes to good. When we're discipling people, Phil and I, we say, even the good goes to bad. That's why it's a good fight, because we've won regardless. The good can go to bad, and the bad can go to good. It's a promise of God. It's not my opinion. That's what the Word of God says. And he keeps sending the prophets. He keeps saying, come on, guys, get with the program. All that God's inviting you to do is exercise your faith and stand. Someone give me a Bible? Thanks, John. It's expensive. This is what God wants us to do. Stand. It's just gone up 20 quid, isn't it? Stand. Stand on his word. I don't know why we don't do that more often. We're so busy trying to fix our own problem. All we've got to do is stand on that and trust God. That's it. We're not trying to jump through hoops to please God. Are we in the right standing with God? Are we not? Is he cross? We've got to stand. 
Stand. That's it. Stand. Promise of God. I'm going to stand in faith and trust God. Amen? All right. It's not really on the fear of God, but I think it was good to say. So the next portion of Scripture, right? It's like Matthew 6.33. I just took that now. I just, it just reminded me of that as well. You know when Jesus said, you know, you see the birds of the air and you see all these things go wrong and you're worried about your food and you're worried about money. and worried. What does Jesus say? He says, don't worry about any of it. He says, don't worry. I keep saying to people, worry is a sin. It's a sin. Stop it. Stop it. What's the matter with you? Stop it. Someone in your house is worrying. Stop it. Smack. No. Don't smack. Do you know what I'm saying? In the fivefold smack, ministry smack. Don't worry. Okay? Say don't worry. Do you know what don't worry means in the original language? Don't worry. Okay, so the other portion of scripture. <laughs> Make myself laugh. Malachi 4, 1 to 6, right? It says this. This is the portion. What's the time? Right. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant, proud, self-righteous, and haughty. Now, this refers to the people who don't know God. Proud and arrogant and haughty. Okay? And every evildoer, because the reason why they're like that, we're not being, we're not being hard on the non-believers, their arrogance keeps them away from God. They're not going to bow their knee to God or in the New Testament to Christ because I don't need, we don't need that. I'll sort myself out, thanks very much. Foolishness, but... Um, and every evildoer shall be stubble. And the day that is coming shall set them on fire, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch, but for you who fear my name with awe-filled reverence, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forward and leap joyfully like calves released from the stall. Calves released from the stall. You will trample the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On this day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, remember with thoughtful concern the law of Moses. My servant, the statutes and the ordinances which I commanded him on Mount Horeb to give to all of Israel. So here Malachi is saying, what I want you guys to do is remember what Moses said and keep the all-filled thing going and respect and reverence, but I want you to remember the ordinances of Moses. Now, we kind of switch into the New Testament Actually, there's my mate. There's the guy who read. What was your mate who read that scripture last week? Johnny, I wanted to use Johnny this week. He sounded amazing last week, didn't he, that guy? Next time. So anyway, we jump into the New Testament. <laughs> I just saw his face through me. We move into the New Testament, and we don't need to look back to the ordinances of Moses, do we? What do we look back to? We look back to the cross, don't we? As a new covenant believer... We look back to the cross. We look back. I heard a preacher say this week, love it. He said, every time someone stands at the pulpit to preach, they should just boast about what Jesus did. That's it. That's what we're doing. There's nothing anyone else, he's done it. That man, Jesus Christ, I love that sentence we sang today, all hail King Jesus. 
So we don't look back to the ordinances of Moses. We look back to what he did at the cross as a new believer. And what he did on the cross, Jesus, was put me in right standing with God, didn't he? He put me in perfect standing. So he took all my nonsense, all my sin, all my shame, all the foolishness, all the wrongness, everything Lance did wrong, and he nailed it to the cross, and he suffered and died for my sin and your 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 sin. So now we are in perfect standing with God, right? So now I am the righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus, You are the righteousness of God in Jesus. That's mind-blowing. That means we're in perfect standing with God always. Always. Do you understand how amazingly cool that is? That whatever happens, we are in perfect standing with God because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So as a New Testament believer, it's quite difficult to preach Fear God. Now, I know, and I'm going to offend the religious people, and I apologize in advance. Hmm, Apologize, kind of. Is this. The religious want you to fear, because fear is quite a motivator. It's a bad motivator, but it's a motivator. And the the religious people will say, this is why you guys sin, because you don't fear God. Well, I haven't been faithful to my wife for 20 years. Five years, 25 years she's put up with me. Can you believe that? Let's give Kerry a round of applause. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> right, <laughs> thank you. Everyone got into that a little bit too much. <laughs> oh, yeah, poor woman praying for her. So I haven't been faithful <laughs> to my wife of 25 years because I fear the repercussion. I'm faithful to my wife. 25 years because of the love I have for her. My love causes me to be faithful. My love causes me to be obedient kind of sometimes. My love for my wife is my motivator. My love is not fear. I don't fear. Can a sh- is a sheep fearful of a shepherd? No. You can understand what they'll say. But let me tell you this, right? Let me tell you this. Whoa. When I wasn't saved, uh, we were just first year in South Africa, and there was a Zulu guy. He stood in the street, and it was quite, in those days, back in the like, mid-90s, it was still, that makes me sound old, doesn't it? He, it was still quite a racist thing, but this guy stood in the high street, and I watched this guy get some serious abuse, right, of people, and it, all as he was doing, and, one, and I just kind of, no one was like, speak nice to him, well, the, a lot of the white people didn't, and I remember I'd, I'd say morning to him, and Lovely chap, broken English, and um, he said to me, he said to me one day, I said, good morning, he says, please let me give you one of these, and I thought it was some religious thing, which it was, it was a great thing, actually, and I said, yeah, okay, yeah, thank you, thank you so much, and I thought, oh, I just, when I got around the corner, so it's a Christian track, I was like, yeah, great, I'll put that in the bin, and um, I was about to put it in the bin, and it caught my attention, as it was said about an Englishman, and I'm like, oh, I'm a bit of a patriot, Let's have a little read, right? So I'm reading this, um, and it talked about this, um, this prisoner in the 1800s, an Englishman. I, I wanted to try and find him on Google, but I haven't had time, but I'm going to endeavor to. But anyway, I remember reading this tract, 
And it talked about this, this Englishman in the 1800s. You know, they put them into the coal mines to work, right? And you know, they had the little budgerigar thing, you know, so if they hit a pocket of gas and then the bird died and you knew, well, get out of there, yeah? You with me? Right, okay. So I was reading this story about this guy. He was this hardened prisoner. He had life, violent man, a thief, all, all, his, all the, the things about him. Um, and he, and his, his, his testimony, which they put in this tract, was he was mining one day, and he went like that, and he missed the wall. And then he realized he's in complete darkness, right? And he was like stumbling. Now I'm reading this. And it started to grip me a little bit with a bit of fear, I've got to be honest, right? And, um, and he starts explaining in his testimony, and for the sake of time, I'll, 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 I'll shorten it, that he was walking around in such darkness, he said in his testimony, he couldn't even see his hands, it was so dark. And he started screaming in panic, where am I, where am I? No one's answering. He's like, where am I? He couldn't, t- he couldn't feel anything. He couldn't touch anything. He couldn't see anything. He was terrified. And then he said in his testimony, it's like he got picked up by two huge guys either side. It picked him up. His legs were dangling in the air. See the dangle? And um, he's like, who are you? What are you doing to me? What are you doing? And he's panicking, right, as you would. And in the distance, you could see a glow. This is his testimony, right? And as he got closer to the glow, I know this might freak some of you out, but this is the guy's testimony. I'm just, I'm just repeating it, right? Don't shoot the messenger. He looks up, and he saw this like, harsh creature, which he described as like a half-man, half-beast thing. And this thing said to him, shut up. You deserve to be here. And the other guy, or whatever it was, holding his other arm up, said, shush. And he said in his thing, they were harsh. He was fearful. And as he got towards this glow, he realized this thing, which he testified to, was like a lake of fire. And he saw similar things throwing them in. And then like that, he woke up in the mortuary table, two days dead, officially, right? I know it sounds a bit whack. Two days dead. And... Long story short, he ended up, he didn't get out of the prison, but he ended up leading, <laughs> I think, nearly all the prison. You know, you've been dead for two days. What did, you know, this is what I saw. And I just realized again, and I was listening to Billy Graham this week, right? And Billy Graham said, any man or woman who would stand at this pulpit and not mention hell He said it's an injustice. And I just thought to myself, you know what? We don't talk about hell much anymore, do we? I remember remember years ago, an amazing guy said to me, he goes, there's three things the enemy wants out of the church. Preaching about hell, preaching the blood of Jesus, and talking about deliverance ministry, dealing, you know, the spiritual warfare of what we're we're called to warfare against. And you think, I, I, I love this church. I can honestly say, I've listened to the guys preach over the last few weeks, and we've mentioned all three. But not a lot of churches do. And I'm not just saying that because we're here and, you know, high-five each other. But I did think, when we talk about fear of God, I think we are doing, you mean you pray about it, right? But I think we're doing the lost a bit of an injustice because we want to be politically correct. But don't you think, Jesus warned them. 
Billy Graham said when I was listening to him, Jesus, Jesus spoke more about hell than heaven. And I'm not a hell, fire, and brimstone type of guy, right? I'm a grace guy. <laughs> I really am. But I tell you what, I don't fear God as a New Testament believer because I'm in perfect standing with God. You can understand where the Old Testament guys were coming from, but from the lost. And we know there's so many people in this church who the Holy Spirit has shown revival coming to. We know, we're not just know it's coming, we're expectant, right? But there's, there is, I mean, I was, when I read that track, I was like, man, if hell, because you see, the, the arrogance of the lost, they don't need God. They don't want hell. They don't believe in hell. They don't want hell. It's a deception. The enemy's tricked them. He's deceived them. You don't have to worry. That's why they're living how they're living. Jesus said, when I come back, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Men are, men are with men. Women are with women. Everybody's getting drunk. I mean, what's going on? Look at it. Look at it. I mean, we can't be <laughs> politically correct and do the justice of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't think we can. They were so cross with Jesus. They ripped their beards and ripped their clothes. I was going to do that, but I haven't quite got my six-pack yet. Ripped their... <laughs> That's what they did when they heard him speak. I'll just put my slide up. I'll finish with my slide. I forgot all about my slide. Sorry. Put the slide up. Jesus didn't, I just thought this was cool, I heard this this week. Jesus didn't eat with the sinners and the tax collectors because he wanted to appear inclusive. Because that's what we say now, isn't it? We're all inclusive. Everyone can do what they want to do. He ate with them to call them to a changed and fruitful life. To die to self and live for him. His call is transformation of life. Not affirming their identity in the sin they're in. Let's just go back to the first bit again. I just want to read it again. Jesus didn't eat with the sinners and tax collectors because he wanted to appear inclusive. Because we say that, don't we? Oh, Jesus with all the sinners, so he's all cool with it all and blah, blah, blah. No, he was there on a rescue mission. He was there to say to them, hey, guys, the way you're living, men with men, ladies with lady, getting drunk, lovers of ourselves, selfishness, love growing cold, all those things. Jesus is like, come with me. I've got a much better plan for you over here. A much, you know, where there's promises, like Romans 8, 28, I've got a great, come on. He wasn't there to say, you, you, be, you be you, if you want to identify yourself as a unicorn, whatever, you be you. He's saying, no, he's there to rescue them. Don't email John about that remark, email me, right? Rescue them. Hey, eh? Amen. Amen. I'll talk some more tonight. Ask the Lord if you should come. Bring your friends who don't know Jesus. Amen? 